We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, welcome to Crossroads. Glad to have you here today. My name is Pastor Brian. I'm the lead pastor. Really glad that you're with us. And and whether you're joining us on our Crossroads online campus or you're somewhere in the the world or you're on a couch somewhere, we're just so glad that you're with us here today. Uh, And gang, we are starting a brand new series this week. And it's it's, in these current times that we find ourselves in, I think it's a really important series to be in. Because as Christians... When things are unknown in the world, we'll, we'll look to look, look all around for, for ways to find stability. And I'll tell you this, that as Christians in this world, uh, there are people that are watching you to see how solid your faith is. And, and if you're not a Christian joining us here today, let me just tell you, I'm so glad that you're here. But you know this is true. That you are looking to see if these Christians and all their goodness and all their stuff that they believe in, can it hold up under the crisis that we find ourselves in right now? So, so as Christians, we need to make sure that our faith is not just all talk um, with no action, but that is, there's a lot of action during these challenging times. We have to make sure also that we're taking intentional steps to follow Jesus more and more, that we're just on an autopilot right now, that we're actually taking steps to follow Jesus a little bit further, even when things are hard around us. But it is also vitally important that we are sharing the love of Jesus with other people. We, we can't kind of close ourselves off to the outside world and say, oh, you know, we're good, but everybody else, you figure it out on your own. No, no, we must stay on mission in the mission that God has called us to be on. And that mission is to tell people about Jesus. And that mission is also the heart of what we do here at Crossroads. So our, our mission statement is something you'll hear me say every single week. And it's simply this, that we exist to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. That is our mission in life as a church. Everything that we do is to reach this end goal and to see people's lives changed. Through, through the outworking of this mission, we'll, we'll see this happen where people accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. They're going to get baptized as a public declaration of their faith. And then we want them and hope that they would live a taggerate life where they do something with their faith that they now profess that they have. This is the deepest desire of our team here at Crossroads, and we believe that it's the heartbeat of God. Anyway, we can help you make those steps. That's why we're here. Which is why this year we've actually been intentional about dissecting this mission statement into two distinct pieces as we walk through this entire year. And the first six months of the year, we actually talked about this idea of discover. Uh, We wanted people to discover Jesus. And the way that we went about that is we had series called Discover in January. What Made Jesus Mad was another series we did, Asking for a Friend, and then also a series called Be. We wanted to give people the the permission to discover Jesus on their own, answer some of those questions that might have kept them from stepping across the line of faith. That, that we wanted them to discover. And if you missed any of those messages I just mentioned here, I, I would love for you to consider going back and watching them. In fact, chat host right now, would you put the link in the chat for people to go back and take a look at those series? Would love if you could do that for me. However, to discover Jesus is not the end of the mission, not the end of our mission statement, not the end of mission that God desires for us. Discovery is only part of the process by which we know who Jesus is. 
there, there has to be a point, and we talked about this in Nicodemus' life, where, where we move from, from knowing to believing. Or, or in our case, where we move from discover to follow. That we move from discover to following Jesus. See, see, following fully takes us from kind of window shopping Christianity to then putting our money where our mouth is, like buying the full Jesus package. Hang on. Uh, that, even just saying that, is completely a disconnect culturally. I, I mean, who even window shops anymore, <laughs> right? So let me replace it. Let me try this again. Um, so following fully moves us from uh, scrolling through religious feeds and, and considering Jesus to clicking on him and deciding to go in. That feels better, doesn't it? It feels better to me. Hopefully it feels better to you. But, but I think you get the point. Following Jesus means that we're all in. That we're ready to take our next steps with him. Except the series that we're in is called Lead Me, Not Follow. So, so what gives? Well, as I thought about it, following fully requires us to do something even more outrageous to the world. And it's called asking to be led. When we say that we want to follow Jesus fully, we are actually inviting Jesus to lead me, to, to lead us. But in our day and age, being led by someone, that can be scary. Virtually no one puts their full trust in any one person, let alone wants to be led by them. We are allergic to being controlled. We break out in a rash if we even think someone is telling us what to do. And what we hope is that we can lather ourselves up with enough individualism salve to make it all go away. But I think if you've lived long enough, you know that that's an unreachable stage of living. In reality, we all are controlled by something. It's just a matter of what we allow to control us. Another way of saying it would simply be this, that, that we all, we all are being led by someone or something. We're all being led by someone or something. It's our choice. Some people are led by uh, success or drugs or maybe perfection or money or Instagram likes or, or parents' expectations. Maybe YouTubers or social influencers or politicians or athletes or TV personalities. So, so, so the notion that, um, that we don't want Jesus to lead us because we're scared of being controlled is nonsense. We are all being led by someone or something. Which means that if this is true, like if that's true then, and that we're going to be led by someone or something, wouldn't it be wise to choose the leader that has the best in mind for us? I mean, wouldn't we want to be led to where there was life and not death? Shouldn't we choose a leader that has more substance to them than corporate sponsorships and the number of likes next to their picture? This is the heart of Lead Me. So here's the thing. I'm going to put all my cards on the table from the very beginning. Here it is. What I want to do today is I want to show you that Jesus and Jesus alone is the greatest leader and he is worthy of our trust, our love, our devotion, our, our life, our dedication, the whole thing. That by saying to Jesus, Jesus lead me, we will have taken the most important step in our life in this life and in the next. Now, this is of course if you choose to do that. God is never going to shove Jesus down your throat like we have to do with your dog sometimes when they have to take medicine. Not, not like that at all. No, Jesus wants us to want him. He, he wants us to ask him to lead us. Let me explain it a little bit this way. Um, raise your hand or comment on this if this is you. 
Have you ever woken up in the morning and had your eyes like crusted shut? You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, when your eyes have that goop on them that look like something from the Ghostbusters and, 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 and they're encapsulated your eyelids like a, like a moist cocoon and it makes it impossible to be able to even open it. I know what you're thinking right now. Thank you for that image, Pastor B. Mmm, boy. The only thing grosser than that is probably eating corn on the cob smothered in mayonnaise dipped in tahini. To which I would say, you're right. And you're welcome. But, but if you've ever had that happen to you, you, you know how unnerving that could be. All of a sudden, these thoughts start running through your head in a matter of seven nanoseconds as your eyes are glued shut. You start saying, what if I can never see again? Will I ever be able to watch sports again? Will, will I ever get to see my kids laugh again? What if I can never see my husband's face again? How will I know if my makeup is on the right way? How will I know if my essential oils diffuser is filled with the right amount of mint and jalapeno and unicorn tail and cinnamon to alleviate my bunion pain? Right? We freak out because seeing is a big deal. But now let me have you think about this for a second. What if antibiotics and taking a hot shower didn't fix it? What if you had to travel through life blind? This, this changes the entire outlook on our life. Because being able to see is such a critical part of living. It's one of the most important parts of helping us to know where we're going and our surroundings. Yet being blind or visually impaired, is a reality for 1.02 million Americans. That's a staggering amount of people that on a daily basis are living in the very same world that you and I are, but are experiencing it in a totally different way. They live in the same world, but they need some help to kind of navigate through it. And so I became fascinated by, by, by blind people and how they navigate the world. How do they get around? Like, how do their senses become so, like, more in tune? What, what are their tricks and tips for living in a world that they can't even see? And, and as I researched it, I came across several sites that kind of explain how someone can, can help a visually impaired person by, by being their guide. And the most common way is for a blind person to kind of hang on to your elbow and you lead them wherever they need to go. But what was clear was that how the person led that visually impaired person was super important. I mean, after all, the blind person was willingly putting their lives in their leadership. And, and guys, it, it didn't always go all that well. I, I've read a couple of accounts of a visually impaired person who, who had been led by some bad people. So for instance, one shared that a person that was leading them actually led them off a train in London right into the gap between the train and the platform and nearly broke their leg. Another person said that the leader actually walked them into a light pole face first. I mean, talk about getting like a beak full of light pole without even seeing it coming. That would be brutal. So as important as the job is of the person doing the leading, let me tell you this. It's more important to choose the right person to lead you. Because if you choose the wrong person, it has the potential to leave you injured or lost or in worse shape than you started off. And as the person leading you, you, you must realize that the person is putting their trust in you. And you have to take that with the utmost amount of responsibility. And, and so as I thought about this, I realized that this is a really important thing to consider when choosing to follow Jesus fully. 
that, that after you discover him, you then have to make the decision to follow him and be led by him. But, but that could be a really big step. Because in that moment, we are taking a, a, a step out of our comfort zone and we are choosing to be led by Jesus fully. We're saying, uh, Jesus, I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to follow you in my, uh, my finances, my dating life, my work life, marriage, parenting, my, my mind, my addictions, in everything. I'm saying, Jesus, hey, Jesus, lead me. But, but, but to get to that point, we have to, we have to trust the leader. We have to be able to know that when we grab Jesus's elbow, that he's going to take us where we need to go. Which is why choosing the right leader is so important. And is why I wanted to start this series off by looking at what a great leader looks like. And, and to do that, I want to actually point out four ways that great leaders lead. Four ways that, that great leaders lead. Lead. And I felt that these were really important to consider and to see why, again, Jesus is the one that we should have lead our life. After all, if Jesus is not worth following, why should we let him lead us? And, and as we look at these four things, you may consider them, hey, man, this might be some great leadership stuff I could take back to the office. And yes, there's some great leadership principles you could pull out of it. But what I want you to really consider is I want you to really consider about how Jesus desires to be our leader because of these. How do we allow Jesus to lead us? And how is he the greatest leader of all time? So let's do that. Let's look at these four things together. And the first one I want us to look at is that great leaders offer help, they don't force it. They offer help, but they don't force it. See, leadership is a tricky position to be in. I should know. I are one. Like, I get it. It's one of the greatest honors and one of the greatest tests that at the very same time. Because being a leader, listen, being a leader is about developing followership. Now, I heard a leader once say that a leader without followers is simply out for a walk. You see, a leader will have followers one way or the other. But the type of follower you have is actually up to the type of leader that you are. Let me explain. People will choose to be led by someone either out of position or out of preference. So when you follow someone out of position, you do it because they're your boss. And you have to do it based on their title in comparison to yours. And you might not literally say, yes ma'am or yes sir. But in all reality, that's how you're responding to their leadership because of the position that they're in. And, and while that could be effective, it could get the job done, it doesn't really instill passion in people. The magic happens when you follow someone out of preference. That's when, given a choice, whether to follow them or not, you choose to follow them because of who they are and what they stand for. Preference leadership is powerful because you follow because you choose to follow them. One of the ways great leaders lead is that they will offer help, but they won't force it. A positional leader, they'll force changes on you. But a leader that you prefer to follow, they will, they will offer to help you, but they'll allow you to choose whether or not you want it or not. Now, now, granted, that direction they're giving you, that help that they're giving you is for your benefit, but a great leader knows you have to choose it for yourself for it to be effective. Even if choosing to not listen will affect your performance and your ultimate outcome in your life, you have to choose. Jesus is a leader that desires us to want his leadership out of preference, not out of position. Even though he's God, he's the creator of the universe, he still offers us his help and doesn't force us to take his help. 
Let me demonstrate that to you and show it to you. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, we read Jesus say, He says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So, a really important thing, a really important verse for us to see. And, and if you are a, if, if you're new to Christianity, or maybe uh, you're just checking things out for the first time, you may not know this, but I, I kind of want you to understand something. Uh, what, what Jesus was just talking about here, he's talking about a word called salvation. Uh, and salvation is what Jesus gives us, that saves us from our sins through his forgiveness. But, but here's the thing. Salvation is available to everybody. No one is turned away by God who is seeking to be made right with him in their life. And guys, Jesus is the way that we're made right with God. Jesus took on all of our sin, all of our failures, all of our pain, all of it on the cross, and he died for us in our place. And because he died and he rose from the dead, we have the opportunity to receive grace and forgiveness that he offers us. It's a free gift. It's called grace that, that sets our souls free from sin and shame. But Jesus doesn't force us to take the gift. It's not like, it's like, think about this. It's not like when Amazon drops a box off at your door. It's not like they drop it and ring the doorbell. And if you don't answer right away, they don't like, like, poof, like knock it down and then huck the thing in there, the little smiley face and say, there's your thing, right? No, they don't do that. They leave it on the step. And then at your leisure, you get to open the door, you get to pick it up and you get to bring it in. But what do they do? They knock on the door. It's your decision. What did the scripture just say? That Jesus knocks on our door, right? He knocks on the door of our hearts. And I remember how this verse kind of stuck with me growing up um, in the small church I went to in Rapid City, South Dakota. It's called First Christian Church. And every week I would see over the left shoulder of the preacher a painting describing that verse I just read. And it was Jesus knocking on a door. But, but if you look really closely, there was no doorknob on the side that he was knocking on. You got to look really close. The only way Jesus could come in is by whoever is on the inside opening the door. See, I'm, I'm not sure what you've heard, but Jesus is not going to bust down the door of your heart and force you to love him. Not in this life and certainly not in the next life. We have to choose to allow him to lead us. And when we do, he will lead us into an eternity with him. But when we don't choose him, we will also choose to live an eternity without him. It's, it's our choice. Jesus is a great leader because he will never force help on us. How about number two? Second one they see is that great leaders will help you avoid danger. They'll help you avoid danger. And if we remember back to those blind guys that led those, those blind people into poles and into the gaps of the platform, like this helps us to frame this thought. Leaders you want to be led by are ones that are going to help you, keep you, are going to keep you from danger. But, but listen, just because a leader keeps you from danger doesn't mean that they will lead you into a comfortable life without challenge. Big difference. Goodness, some of the best leaders I ever followed drew me into places athletically, physically, spiritually, professionally, that I would never have gone on my own. But when I went there, I got better because they forced me to go there. It was hard, but I grew more as a person and as an athlete and as a, as, as a husband, as a father, as an employee, as a Christian. 
Great leaders will draw great things out of you. And as we look at Jesus, he wants to do the very same thing in us. And the only way that we can let him lead us away from danger is by keeping our eyes fixed on him. I want you to listen to how Solomon describes this in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So so here's how this works. Um, Keeping your eyes on Jesus lets us know which way to turn. And, And when we know the right direction, we can avoid all kinds of painful mistakes that we would make in this life. But one of the best parts for us to consider when we're deciding if Jesus is worth being led by is also to consider that great leaders may even take on danger for you. Like a a lioness that fights for her cubs when they're in danger, a great leader will put themselves in the front line of the fire for you. That is exactly what Jesus did for us. Jesus took on the danger of the cross and he defeated death for you and for me. He put himself between eternal death and us. Why? Because he loves us. And to me, that's a leader I want to be led by. I want to be led by a leader that helps me avoid danger and then takes on danger for me because he loves me. That's only two. Let's look at number three. Great leaders go first when going into new places. Great leaders will go first when going into new places. This dovetails really easily with that, the other one that we just looked at there. A great leader will lead the way into new territory. One of my f- favorite leadership experts, John Maxwell, once said this. He said, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. A great example of this is the Tuskegee Airmen. Such a great example of this aspect of leadership. In uh, World War II, the U.S. Air Force created a squadron of pilots known as the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, They were the first ever black, all-black fighter pilot squadron. They were known as the Red Tails or the Red Tailed Angels because of the red paint that was on the, the end aircraft and these men bravely flew over 1800 missions including 351 missions to protect bombers in the sky and they shot down 112 enemy planes all in the heart of world war ii however they were not only brave men in the air but also on the ground these men helped to start breaking down the racial color barrier that existed in the military They fought hard to lead the way for so many men and women of color in our armed forces today. The Tuskegee Airmen were leaders who went first into new places to make the way for other people. Jesus is that type of leader. Jesus broke the sin barrier between us and God and will always go first as he leads us. See, I'd love to point this out about Jesus. And you might have never thought of this, but Jesus never asks us to do anything that he himself did not do. The reason I love Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. Uh, there we get to read, it says, It says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You can trust Jesus to lead you well because he goes first. Because he goes first. Every time he goes first. That he goes before us and he will lead us where we need to go. But 
the last characteristics of a great leader that I love, and I want us to think about is this last one, number four, that great leaders never leave people in free space. Um, one of the most important parts about being a guide for a blind person is not to leave them in what's called free space. This means that you can't abandon them in the middle of a food court or a crowded hotel with like nothing to, nothing to hang on to. Free space is where you have nothing to hold on to to provide you stability or a frame of reference to where you're at. I mean, just imagine that for a second. Imagine that you're blind. You can't see. You're not sure if the next move in any direction will have you fall into a fountain, maybe bump into someone, hurt yourself, maybe accidentally touch a cat. Like, I mean, can you imagine the horror of that feeling right there? See, a great leader will never have you do that. And if they do need to leave you for a moment, they will give you something to, to hang on to, to ground yourself to. Jesus is a great leader because he will never leave you in free space. Let's consider Jesus' own words. Luke chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? There are two things that we really need to notice about Jesus' leadership style here. So cool. The first is that, is that he left the 99, but he left them together. Just because in Jesus' parable, the shepherd left the 99 sheep, didn't mean that he left them alone. They had each other. They were together. They were there for each other. We talked so much about community around here. They were there for each other. They were not left in free space or in danger. They had each other. That's the first but the second thing is so powerful. Second thing is, is that Jesus was willing to leave the 99 to go find the one that was lost in free space. That is how much the shepherd loves that sheep. And, and, and we'll talk so much more about Jesus and the great shepherd in the weeks to come. You're not going to want to miss any of the series. It's going to be awesome. But just, just consider what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I would leave the 99 to go after just one. A great leader cares about all of the sheep that are in his charge, not the one that he just likes the best. Jesus doesn't play favorites when it comes to his love. He loves us all and wants us all to want to be led by him. My friends, those are the four great aspects of a great leader. They offer help. They don't force it. They'll help you avoid danger. They'll go first when going into new places and they never leave people in free space. Four great aspects of a leader. But, but here's the thing. I, I realize that when I say things, it's, it's great and it, you know, maybe, it's, maybe it's good to hear and maybe you'll pull a couple of nuggets out, but there's something powerful when you hear it from somebody else. And so I, I want you to hear from someone that made the decision to be led by Jesus and, and why they felt that he was the leader for their life. And so I would love for you to help me welcome my friend, John Merchant, to the stage. So John, I want you to come on out here, my friend. John's been a good friend. We've been uh, growth groups together. We've been hanging out together quite a bit. You've got a wonderful family, man. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, and here's what I want to ask you. Um, tell us a little bit about your life kind of before Jesus. Yeah, um, so I guess I just classify it kind of selfish. Um, from the outward, I think I had a lot of good things going. Um, doing well in college, yeah. great wife, great family. Um, but I just, uh, I was kind of leading myself, I think. And I was trying to, I was really into money at that point and trying to get as much as I could and, yeah. and just had some bad habits. Yeah. Um, 
So, and even though maybe from the out, things looked pretty good, I, yeah. there's something missing kind of. I could just tell that um, no matter how hard I tried and seeked and, and I was trying to do it all on my own, yeah. I was missing something. Something just wasn't quite there. Yeah. We've all had the point where like we're leading ourselves. We're trying like, I'm my own leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get exhausted doing that. So, so there must have been a point where you're like, okay, this is how this is going. But then Jesus came in. So how did that happen where you just said, Jesus, I think I want to be led by you. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Actually, that was, that was here at church. Um, I was doing my premarital counseling with my, my, my wife now, um, and I was outside that door right there with Pastor Jim, and I, I won't forget he asked us one question. Uh, he asked, if you were to stand before God, and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say, Jonathan? Yeah. And uh, I remember looking at him, and, and I just gave the answer of, well, I'm, I'm good enough, and, I, and I, I helped coach youth basketball, and I basically, it was all me. It was all about what I was doing. Um, and kind of saying that I was good enough, and uh, Jim was patient, and he kind of walked through the gospel with me. Yeah. Um, and and I just kind of understood it clicked, and he said, "Do you want to pray to receive Christ?" Yeah, right. And I said, "Let's do it." And I was, nice. I was excited about it, and uh, so that was October 2011. Wow. Right out there. So That's that was, so that was cool, pretty cool. Man. Yeah. So this moment where you're like, okay. Um, Jesus is a leader, and I'm leading myself, and it sure looks like the way that he's going to be leading is going to lead me in a way more than where I'm at. That's just powerful. But one thing I, I love about you, and we've been in groups together, but just the power of community to be able to, uh, to, to take our next steps and follow Jesus fully. It's not always about us. So what was the power of community in your life? That was huge for me. Um, like, like I said, I, I made that decision. I prayed in 2011, but I would say, honestly, it took maybe a year or so for me to really kind of it clicked and to, to discover Jesus and follow him fully. Yeah. Um, and a huge part of that for me was we moved back from Fresno area and we were rooted in, rooted in crossroads and uh, just jumping into groups. Her, yeah. her, her brother, Billy, asked me to do an evangelism group. Yeah. I said, I, don't, I'm, I believe in Christ. What's evangelism? But I'll do it. I, yeah. I didn't really know what was going on. But uh, so I started doing that group. And, and from then on, the last seven years, I've just done yeah. all kinds of groups here on campus. Um, and you meet people. You, you meet people that you do life with, yeah. and you just kind of walk through it with them. And, man, people just poured into me, and, yeah. and they taught me, and they showed me, and they helped me walk through Scripture and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that mentorship, and now I'm kind of helping some other younger guys do the same yeah. kind of thing. So, That's so um, good. I think you say a lot that life happens in circles, not in rows. Yes. So yeah. you got to be around people, doing life with them. Yeah. And, uh, and that's changed me. I mean, if you— I would have said seven. I would laugh at you. Said I'd be on stage at church. I said there'd be no way. Uh, right. But he, but here I am, and God's worked in me. And community here yeah. has just really helped me grow exponentially. Man, and I'm so glad you're here, man. I'm just pumped because uh, the the part about community, especially for guys, you know, it's like ah, I don't know if I need other yeah, people, but right. we do, we do. And so a big aspect of what we do around here, a real value we have, is community, getting people connected. So we want to let you know that there's some great growth group opportunities coming up that we want you to be a part of. They are both in person and digital. And so what I want you to do is I want you to consider being part of really one of three groups that we're going to be offering you this fall. The first is our Rooted group, and if you have not been a part of Rooted, it literally is the the best thing that we offer here as far as your next steps with following Jesus. If you haven't taken Rooted, it's going to give you the fundamentals of how to follow Jesus. Whether you've followed him your entire life or like for 30 seconds, take Rooted, get involved. But the next one is a brand new one. It's called Life in Rhythm. You want to call it kind of Rooted 2.0, if you will. It's the rhythm of following Jesus in our lives at our home and at our workplace. So 
powerful. You are not going to want to miss. So if you've taken Rooted, get in life and rhythm. But there's a third one that we want everybody to take, and that is FPU, Financial Peace University. How do we follow Jesus with our finances? You actually took that one. Yeah, I did FPU uh, with my wife and I maybe about three years ago. And just great fundamentals. There's, there's some principles that we still practice today. And uh, man, we've saved a boatload thanks to it. Yeah. So it, it's awesome. I highly recommend it to especially younger couples, yeah. anyone really. Yeah. Team Hunt, we are full in gazelle intense with FPU. <laughs> so we want you to be a part of that. All groups, listen, 10 weeks long, kickoff September 13th. You can have groups in person or online. You got kids? Hey, join an online group. You can put your kids to bed. You can do whatever you want to, you know? Uh, groups for men and women and old people and young people and everybody in between. Re-engage with each other this fall. One of the hardest times about this, the part about this time is being disconnected. Get re-engaged this fall. Or, you know, the other thing you could do, you could host a group, get some friends in your community around you. Do that too. You don't have to be right in the Northern California area. You could do it from all over the place. Get involved. We'll help to resource you there. Sign up, crossroadsgrace.org slash groups. You will not want to miss it because community is a great way that we follow Jesus fully. So, John, listen, thank you so much for being Appreciate here, brother. It. Appreciate I, it. Thank get you. involved. I'm telling you, get involved. Get involved. Last yeah. thing for him, get involved, okay? Hey, listen, choosing the right leader is the most important decision of your life. And the reason is, is that I, I, really what I want you to take away from today, it's this. I want you to remember that the leader we choose, the leader we choose will determine the direction we go. Guys, that, that's just truth. The leader that you choose to follow is going to take you somewhere. So choose wisely. Once we've identified our leader, then we can be more confident in trusting their leadership. When we vetted them out, we said, yeah, absolutely. But thankfully, we don't have to follow Jesus blindly. We, uh, he hasn't crusted over our eyes with doubt and just said, follow me, because I said so. He's got a clear path laid out for us. It's not easy, but it is the most eternally rewarding decision you will ever make. My friends, as we get ready to worship and take communion... I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that the leader that you choose is going to determine the direction that you will go. Never forget that. So the question I have for you is who are you following? Who have you said lead me? Are they the most popular person on YouTube? Are they the one with the most money? Are they, are, is, it, is it fame? Is it success? Is it, a, is it some idealistic view of what your life could be? What are you chasing? What are you being led by? And the more important question is, will that get you anywhere when this life is over? And if the answer is no, I want to offer you Jesus. Jesus, the one that died for your sins. The Jesus that we remember at communion. The Jesus that gave his life up for you so you could have eternal life. That Jesus is asking to let you lead, him, lead them. And, and he wants to lead you into a place that you've never been. And when you say, Jesus, lead me, he'll do it. He will do it and your life will never, ever be the same. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.